Hello and welcome to another edition of Housefeld's Collective Cast. I'm here with Anthony Mason, Nicola Boyle, David Lorne and myself, Lucy Rigby. We've got uh, two decisions that we're going to discuss today. The first, very hot off the press, is the CPO decision in the Sony collective proceedings and um, the claim being brought on behalf of PlayStation users by um, by Alex Neal. Nicola, I think there are two principal points that arise from this judgment. The first in relation to PACAR, um, as we're now all very familiar with, and the second in relation to the class definition. Should we start with funding first? Yes, thanks Lucy. So first of all, congratulations to Alex Neal, obviously for getting her claim certified, um, hot off the press yesterday. Um, the decision had actually been slightly delayed because PACAR um, came along in the summer shortly after the CPO hearing and so it was the first case where the CAP heard arguments on amended funding agreements um, post-PACAR and the, the point that essentially was, was argued before the CAP was whether replacement of the percentages in the funding agreement to rely only on multiples had cured um, the PACAR effect so that the agreement was no longer a DBA. Um, and the defendants in that case argued a number of arguments that notwithstanding that the funding agreement was based only on multiples, the effect of the funding coming out or the funders return coming out of the undistributed damages being ordered by the CAP meant that effectively it was still calculated by reference to the damages. Um, in good news, and I think for the regime and all other claims, the CAT has dismissed all those arguments very clearly um, and saying that the, the amendments that have been made to funding agreements clearly um, avoid the PACAR um, pitfall and say that they are, you know, they're, they're, they're perfectly now compliant and able to go forward in the regime. Um, so it's dismissed, I think, the various arguments defendants have been trying to raise around the edges, having seen their success previously um, in the Supreme Court. Um, and hopefully the, the CAT has given a strong message out to all the other claims where I know there's a number of amended LFAs all sort of waiting in the wings um, to be approved. Um, in the meantime... Um, well, just on that, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's a strong judgment. They give relatively short shrift to those arguments and actually when you read it it just logically fit together that you know a, a multiple is a multiple it's not connected to the damages it's connected to the investment in the, in the case but it, as you say alongside that the government introduced an amendment to the um, DMA um, that went before parliament on Monday and is now incorporated into the into the bill going to the, the House of Lords and its intention is very clearly to rectify PACOR uh, in the context of the collectives, it says that in the narrative of the amendment that was brought in, the relevant minister who put it before the House made that very clear in what he said before the before the House of Commons. So there is absolutely no doubt that um, Parliament's intention is to reverse PACAR in the in, in the collective. So you take the CAT's position, you take Parliament's position, you would really think that this is a dead duck at this point from a defendant point of view. You just hope the defendants will see the light and actually get on with fighting the cases and stop piddling around at the edges on, on these funding issues, because you've just got very strong steers, both from the court and from Parliament, about PACAR. So we'll see. Let's see if they appeal it or not. You hope common sense will prevail. Yeah, I mean, it's a unanimous judgment. And if common sense doesn't prevail, I'm going to complain to estimate of that. 
absolutely yes she's now the, the common the common sense are i'm sure she'd be very receptive to, to our arguments on that um so that's that's packer um there was the second point as i said nicola on um come, arising from the sony judgment which is around um an argument the defendants put forward that the class should be cut off from a temporal point of view at the point of filing and actually i think that was the only point in the judgment where the tribunal went with the defendants now i think certainly from where i'm sitting that point of view that the ruling in that respect doesn't make sense i mean where you've got conduct that's ongoing which is the case not just in the sony claim but in other claims as well what you're doing is all those all those potential claimants who are affected in exactly the same way um who you know say the, the claim was filed on day one on day two if you're affected on day two and then all those days going forward all of those claimants that in effect have claims are just not going to be able to receive redress which seems to me contrary um to the intention behind the regime but importantly from a practical point of view what's that going to mean is that going to mean that the class goes ahead you know cut off at the point of filing but then by the time this case actually gets to judgment or settlement you're going to in effect have this whole um gamut of new claimants and what you know could they be wrapped up in a settlement I'm not sure but how does that play out in a judgment I, I think it's a practicality it just doesn't make sense yeah it's, it's a real issue Lucy because especially if you take a step back and think how many abuse of dominance cases mm. there are now on a standalone basis so this yeah. issue might not be a problem where you're bringing a follow-on case of a cartel but this applies to so many cases where this point hasn't been taken um and it is a real practical issue of if you cut the claim off now rather than allowing it to continue up to the point of judgment mm. how do you then deal practically you haven't stayed limitation without bringing a cpo for those later years do, does another claimant come and try well, and the thing is almost inviting a second collective to come along in 12 yes. months time if the value makes sense isn't it yeah yeah which, and, which and, can't be helpful from from a practical point of view and if you take a step back if you take something like interchange those claims are very much bought on that basis that the claims are rolling mm. so year on year as you go through the litigation people are paying more interchange fees and until yeah. you have a resolution those, those claims are being added mm -hmm. so I think it is a, a real practical issue it'll be interesting to see if there is a, an appeal I mean I don't know how important it is in that case from a quantum and yeah. time period and whether you know it may be that it only affects a certain period but, but as you rightly sound the 102s it's going to be an issue across a whole range of cases and yeah. I suspect if if, if defendants see this they may well start raising it but mm. i think it's going to become a, a much bigger point in in a lot yeah. of the other cases yeah. and then there needs to be some practical way of dealing so that you don't have to go and bring a whole new cpa um yeah rather than bringing something i think an access to justice point and a, pra and a practicality point as you as you say so i want to move we did that was the same decision that was very hot off the press coming out yesterday from the cat slightly less hot off the press um but no less important reheating so, like so yeah well it's been, it's been <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh fx so we had this revised judgment from the court of appeal on the 9th of this month David, do you want to tell we us did. a little bit about what it said? Yeah, right. So why are we talking about FX again? <laughs> <laughs> we love talking about FX. Right, yes, so that is the, so there was a hearing in the Court of Appeal in April uh, in the FX case, which I guess is one of the older collectors, sort of wave one um, back in 2019, uh, originally issued. And uh, in the Court of Appeal hearing, it was dealing with certification and carriage 
the two issues on the table were should this case be an opt-out or an opt-in collected as the first issue and then the second issue was carriage uh, the tribunal had uh, selected our client Mr Evans to be the class representative if the case goes ahead as an opt-out and the other applicant was appealing that and in the court of appeals judgment it found that the cat was wrong to de uh, to decline to certify the claims on an opt-out basis and it selected Mr Evans and uh, the court of appeal upheld the cat's uh, decision on carriage uh, so that was in July and then as you said a few weeks ago we got a revised version of that judgment and the first thing to say is it doesn't alter any of the reasoning in the original judgment but what it has done is it's dealt with two new issues firstly Packer which of course we've just talked about and secondly um, a slightly unusual development in the case after the judgment was handed down uh, the president of the CATS uh, contacted the Court of Appeal and questioned whether or not it has jurisdiction to make a CPO or to vary a CPO that's been made by the CATS. And uh, so the Court of Appeal decided to ask the parties for comments and then issued a revised judgment in which it dealt head on with these questions. And I think helpfully for the regime, it, it says, yes, the Court of Appeal does have jurisdiction to make a CPO or to various CPO and it's sort of dealt with some of the you know the, the reasons why it considers that's correct so that's addressed that ambiguity. And David just on that I mean is that just the most obvious point which is just that the court of appeal has the powers of the lower court? Yeah. Is that essence. it? Yeah. yeah okay. In essence so that's quite helpful for other cases and uh, but then on the Packard piece uh, the Packard judgment came out I think the day after the court of appeals judgment and so the question is, well, what does that mean for this, like all other collectives? So what's happened here is the Court of Appeal has decided to remit FX back to the CATS mm -hmm. uh, to look at the implications, if any, uh, for PACAR. And that also means that O'Higgins, although that carriage appeal, um, they, they were rejected, they haven't been dismissed yet because following the precedent in trucks, the Court of Appeals said, well, you know, there is a theoretical possibility here, and put it any higher, that one class rep could be substituted for the other. If, for example, in the case of PACAR, the, our class rep can't get around any PACAR concerns, but Higgins can. So just on that basis only, both applications have been limited to the CATS okay. to consider uh, case management and parts of the Court of Appeals judgment. So an interesting development and it hopefully now means that the FX case will move forwards. I mean just to emphasize that point, I mean I think it is really useful that we now know that the Court of Appeal does have jurisdiction mm. to certify of its own in circumstances where there's an appeal because then you don't necessarily have to go back to the cap to deal with the certification you can deal with it in the Court of Appeal. Then then get on with it. As you say here obviously pack off rather irritatingly got in the way otherwise I suspect the Court of Appeal would have just certified the class on an opt-out basis. But presumably post-Sony, um, like in another number of yep. cases where it's being dealt with at the moment in writing, it may be possible yeah. for funding to be dealt with. Yeah, well, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. One other thing to talk about um, on effects is, is on costs, because mm. uh, there are various different cost decisions coming out of the judgment. On carriage, um, there was a decision about what to do about carriage costs, and the Court of Appeal decided that the costs of the carriage dispute should be borne by each 
parties. And in making that decision, the court commented that the carriage is really, it's very expensive, but it's satellite litigation. And then ultimately it's an investment decision for the, the funder and the lawyers. And it also noted that, you know, in other cases, as the regime develops, you know, hopefully carriage will be dealt with, you know, quicker, in a more efficient way. Um, and I think we've talked to the previous um, podcast about um, the ad tech case in which carriage mm -hmm. uh, tribunal decided to deal with that before certification, mm -hmm. uh, marking a departure from FX and trucks where carriage and certification were wrapped together. Uh, so it, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, the question there is, well, that seems like a, a deviation from the usual rule of pays and, you know, question, might this encourage more carriage disputes if you can go into it knowing that may not be liable to pay the other CR's cost. So it's an interesting uh, decision. I have to see what happens with carriage more generally, but there are obviously quite a few carriage issues in, in these cases now. So whether or not this cost decision is followed in other cases, I think it's going to be an interesting. But the key coming from that, David, is carriage being a much more efficient mm. process and the learnings from FX, which I think coming up, we've seen, going to see the first articulation of that. Uh, later this month yeah. in the Amazon case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's due to be heard early December, right? I think I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. It'd be really yeah. interesting to see what happens. So it'll be, it'd be interesting to see how the can Yeah, because that'll be the first time carriages is dealt with yeah. really re quite early in the proceedings with relatively little information available. Yeah, and we hope we'll get more guidance from that and the you know, as these cases are heard, there's some sort of thinking that happens as efficient as possible. Yeah, so it'll be interesting because obviously we know from FX that the main factor there was looking at the, the merits of the two applications. So it'll be interesting to see how the CAT does that with far smaller amount of information available to it to make that distinction. No doubt there will be a podcast on that <laughs> in, due, in due course. Always a podcast. Um, but for now, uh, we're done. So I'm going to say thank you to Anthony, to Nicola and to David. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Thank you.